nobody's ever tried to be a superhero? Well, I don't know. Probably because it's impossible. Why? Putting on a mask and helping people? How's that impossible? Well, that's not superhero, though. How's that super? Super's like being stronger than everybody. Flying, that's just hero. No, it's not even hero. Hello, Bruce Wayne? You didn't have any powers? Dude, if anybody did it in real life, they'd get their ass kicked. They'd be dead in, like, a day. Does it not bug you? Like, thousands of people want to be parasol and nobody wants to be spider Welcome everyone, this is episode 22 of the Comics in Motion podcast. This week it's just myself and my good friend and co-host, Mr. Dave Horrocks. Welcome to the Comics in Motion podcast. What we like to do here is we like to review media like movies, TV shows and games that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be looking at the media from the perspective of a long-time comic book fan. And my co-host, Chris, will be reviewing purely from that media perspective. And we'll walk through our given topic of the week. And we'll meet somewhere in the middle and give our different perspectives on it. What we also like to do is we like to spoil everything. So if you haven't watched our movie of this week, I would suggest you proceed with caution. Probably hit that pause button and maybe come back later. And we can walk through the movie together there. So Chris had some really great feedback about the episode last week when we had Jamie on on our uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, it's really good and really nice to have someone different, a different voice. Obviously, we've had Matt on, which has been like you know special episodes, but to actually try out our normal format with a guest was it was great for me and you growing and learning for us both. But Jamie was really knowledgeable and, and the fans seem to like it as well, which that's all you want really, Dave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's really, really good. And we've also, in terms of just trying out things a little bit different, we've also put out a poll, haven't we? Which we've had a few more than uh, my two votes in, in, that, <laughs> in that famous poll a few months ago. Um, and we're still, I think we've got a couple of days left, haven't we, on the votes? Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't been to our Twitter page, what we've said is so so obviously we're going to review what we plan to this week. And then we said for next week, we'll throw it out there and ask you guys to see, you know, what should we go out and review? So we put up there, we kind of, when we do this again in the future, we want to have some kind of theme to it. So we had like 80s action heroes as as being our first theme there. So we had, I think it was, uh, we had Conan the Barbarian starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. So the the old one, I know it's been uh, redone in more recent years. We had Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme. We had Judge Dredd with with Sly Stallone, and we also had The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren as well, being our four options. And it's really close, actually, isn't it? It's closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we we started off, and Arnie was just the head and shoulders above everyone with Conan. Conan was, was really ahead, and then all of a sudden, from nowhere, Judge Dredd has just come back, and at the moment, they're both at 30% on Twitter votes. I think we've had like 50-odd votes on Twitter. But then on Facebook, we haven't even included them votes. I'm pretty sure at the moment Judge Stredden might be slightly ahead because I think the Facebook votes are going to be the deciding factor at the moment, Dave. Yeah, and, and also Punisher seems to have got a few a few late votes. So that's come in, um, uh, and I think that's on about 27%. So oh Punisher's so... still in with a shout. I think Jean-Claude can probably uh, put his feet up next week. I, I think he's out the race, to be honest. But definitely it's, it's between those three. Oh, so I mean, I'm checking it now. You're right, Dave. Oh, in fact, no, Conan's raced ahead as we're doing the podcast. It's 33% to Conan, 31 Judge Dredd, and 23 to oh, the Punisher. Yeah, yeah. So Punisher's gone slightly down. It was at 27. You're right. 
Yeah, so I retweeted it again this morning. So we've had another few votes thrown in there. So you're right, so Conan just edging out in front there. Yeah, really interesting, Dave, as well. And, and like you know, you know I'm a massive Arnie fan, but you were quite shocked I didn't uh, – I've never seen this because I've watched every Arnie film, but it just, it's just not my sort of stuff. The fantasy world stuff like this, it's just not – I don't get not I don't get it. It just doesn't entertain me, if you know what I mean, Dave. So it's gonna be interesting to see how I review it if the, if that is actually the one that wins. Yeah. It, 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 hearing that that it's not your sort of movie kind of makes me want it to win that little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that enough just, time, Betty. Just, <laughs> just to imagine you sort of shaking your fist at home. <laughs> like, oh, I'll never get it back these two and a half hours or or it's probably not two and a half. I, I, I Dave, seem to remember it is a, a little bit on the long side, so Dave, it must be in that please. couple of hours. <laughs> I don't want to know if it is. I'll be sat there in front of my clock going, oh, my gosh, we're halfway through if he's that bad. But no, I know it's, it's, it's a synonymous film with Arnie. And to be fair, this what's led on to him getting the Terminator job. So it's an important film for Arnie's career as much as it is for, you know, for the comics in motion. We're going to do it something different. It's the first Arnie film as well which is going to be good. Yeah, well, if it wins, if it wins, it's just edging out in front. And yeah. We've mentioned Facebook there. Initially, we were focusing just on mainly on Twitter, and now we've created a Facebook page, and we've got a few, I think we're about 115-ish followers at the minute. So, yeah. you know, that's that's growing in that first, uh, first week. So if you want to get yourself across there, that's facebook.com forward slash comics in motion podcast or if you just want to shorten it even further just fb.com forward slash comics in motion podcast and that'll take you there and give us a like and a follow and that'd be lovely and then as we put out issues we'll just put things up there we'll put things like polls and stuff up and and the fun facts as well yeah and i think as well dave a lot of people have asked us for a facebook page because they find it easier than twitter a lot of people get confused with twitter yeah i think you've you've got to go on twitter for a a good month or so, I need to understand how it works and that. Whereas Facebook has been organically, they might change some of the algorithms of what you see, but everyone knows how to, you know, maneuver Facebook. So that's one of the reasons we've done it as well, which makes it a bit more user friendly for people to get us across both social media platforms. Yeah. So we'll see how that one goes. So if you do enjoy the show, get on iTunes and give us a, a rate and review there. Let us know how you're enjoying the show, and that would be lovely. So the more reviews we get, the more listeners we'll get out to. It, it just bumps us up in those iTunes charts, and it will just help other people find the show. So that would be lovely. So, Chris, what, what are we reviewing this week? Yeah, so this week we decided to go with the 2010 film Kick-Ass, which myself and Dave have watched, but it's been a few years for both of us to watch it, really. So we thought, right, let's go down memory lane and see how we go with the review. So uh, obviously it's a Matthew Vaughan film. And Dave, what comic book background have you got? Well, so Kick-Ass, the character and the comic, both debuted in 2008. So he made his debut in his in his own titled comic, and that was part of uh, the Icon imprint. Now, this is part of Marvel that they use to basically create their creator-owned titles. So we've had an Icon comic before. Do you remember which one that was? Uh, is it not The Losers? No. It's Kingsman. Kingsman. Oh, oh. <laughs> <Close>. <laughs> Shocker, shocker. All right, there was no prize anyway. That's so. really going in the losers. Oh, 
Okay. That's right. That's right. So similar sort of thing. Uh, always uh, Vertigo started off uh, in a in a similar way, just being that uh, I guess that imprint of the bigger, more well known name. And so the series was created by Mark Millar with art by John Romita Jr. Now we've we've covered Mark Millar before. Um, John Romita Jr. is quite well-renowned, and his dad is rather well-known as well. So John Romita Sr. was one of the early kind of Spider-Man artists as well. And right. so, you know, these this is your top band, if you like, of artists. And in terms of the style... I think John Romita Jr. has added a lot. He, he's got his he's got his fans, and he's also got people who who don't really like him. His his art style does seem to change quite a lot, but I I quite like the guy. He's he's quite uh, he's quite upfront about why he does what he does, and that's to basically pay the bills. <laughs> so you know, rather than some people who who kind of uh die for their art kind of thing he's like well i've got a mortgage to pay so you know i I need to get this stuff out there so um i'm sure you'll talk about the the movie being picked up because the movie is obviously created into you know it was released in 2010 wasn't it so it was one of the the first comic books that was really uh, and from millar where the film rights were bought even before that first issue hit the shelves so, you know, Millar and, and Matthew Vaughan had basically uh, come up with this idea and the film rights were snapped up uh, very early on. Now, Mark Millar has described this as being very autobiographical. And he said, you know, when he was about 15, he'd have discussions with their friends and they'd, they'd all read Batman Year One. So a little bit of a link back. That was our recommended reading from last week about, you know, that first year of of Batman's crime fighting career. And, you know, basically Mark Millara discussed this with his friends and then, you know, he's written the story years and years later. Now, the reason I think it got snapped up so quickly, Millara built up a lot of stock you know, in the years before that. So Wanted had come out in 2008 and that, you know, he'd, he'd written that as well, but that movie was very, very loosely based on the comic, quite honestly. Whereas this one is, is very, very similar. In terms of recommended reading, there's only really one place to start and it's that first series, that first volume of Kick-Ass Go and get that in collected edition. You could probably pick that up for like £15 or uh, $20. Probably get it around somewhere around that price point. So, Chris, do you want to tell us a bit about the movie? Yeah. Well, I must admit, Dave, the more we do these comic book-based media, is my respect and understanding, one for Matthew Vaughan and two for, obviously, Jane Goldman as well, Jonathan Ross's wife, because other than being Jonathan's crazy wife with the different coloured hair. I didn't actually know what she did until we started doing this podcast. So I've got to apologise to her because, you know, again, this film is directed by Matthew Vaughan. It's produced by her and Brad Pitt, which I found quite interesting. It was released in the UK, 2010, 25th of March, and then obviously in the US, the 16th of April. There was two films, as we know. As we go on, we'll find out, which, you know, we're probably going to review the second, which is which. But this film actually gained a lot of re- awards. And they said rewards then, Dave. A lot of awards for its style. And I must admit... Going through it, watching it, you can tell it's a Matthew Vaughan film. That stamp has so many 
mirrors, which I'm sure we'll get into regarding the Kingsman. It, it, this obviously mm-hmm. laid siege to what the Kingsman became in, in, in his directing style. There was a lot of controversy, though, when the film came out, because obviously the girl who plays Hit Girl was only, well, she was possibly around about 11 in the film, which was 13 in real life. And when she swore, well, OK, you see you next Tuesdays. Let's see what you can do now. That was absolutely criticised across the board. The Australian Family Association, the film board, and that just went to town on them. You know, just basically, I mean, I don't understand. They were saying that it glorified the character, sexualized the character, which I just don't get that at all. But there was absolute outcry across the world regarding this film because obviously you'd seen stuff like Pulp Fiction, you know, the opening scene, and you know, everyone, every last mother. You know, you know the rest, one of you. And we had all that stuff, controversy around the mid-90s, but this was obviously a minor. So to, to bring it out in the film and the use of drugs and things like that was quite risque, to say the least. But it became a film that everyone wanted to watch. And the critical response was really good. Some didn't get it, absolutely slated Matthew Vaughan's use of like underage characters and the, the exploitation of it. But others just were giving it like five out of five, ten out of tens, you know, whatever. So it's very, as we said, and we tried to explain to Jamie last week, it's very much a Marmite film. Now, yeah. one, of, one, of, one of the things I found quite interesting was in the UK, it was given a 15, which is, is that an R rating in America? It is, yeah. 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 15. Yeah. So obviously we have 18 as well, which is obviously explicit. Uh, is that obviously X rating in America, stuff like that? But in France, is that right? Yeah, it is. But I think X-rated in, in the US, they generally keep that for the more adult-themed <laughs> I was going to say that. I knew yeah. that's right. So it's basically like an R rating is probably, you know, on the order of 15, uh, and they use that for a broader spectrum than what than what we do. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. And But one of the things Matthew Vaughan picked up on was, in France, they only give it a PG rating, which... Oh, blimey. <laughs> which he thought was... Or, a or should I say, sacré bleu. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Dave, play it. Go on. I've not heard it for a long time. Got oh, yeah, it. yeah. Sure, I, sh- I shouldn't have said sacré bleu. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's your tagline, Dave. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Love it. Box office-wise, it wasn't an absolutely an amazing hit. Because of this sort of polarising situation with the use of uh, underage actors and stuff, it made overall $96 million across the world, which in this day and age, even in 2010, wasn't great. It made enough to make a profit and obviously lead on to a second one. but it was also one of, at the time around 2010, one of the reasons as well was it was one of the most torrented films going 11.4 million times. It was torrented only second to it, Avatar. And that was because a lot of parents will let the kids go to see it. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being, it ended up being a cult classic for the wrong reasons because parents were stopping them and they had to download it. Obviously around that time, everyone was torrenting allegedly, wasn't they Dave? Not that I know anything about that, but just, <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? But yeah, so quite interesting. That's through like Torrent Freak and, and uh, Pirate Bay and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, critically, as in review scores, still stands at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes after 244 reviews with an average user review of 7. Uh, 7. Average, average user review of 7 out of 10, which is really good. That's actually better than some of the other films we reviewed that have scored higher or well, have scored higher mine and your Mm-hmm. Uh, overall review score. So, yeah, it's a really good film. Um, not really much more I can say. Obviously, it led on to the second one. A couple of things with the acting styles, which I think we'll get into as we review it. Um, and that's it, really, Dave. 
thinking back, I wonder if it if it didn't really do as well because there, there were a lot of movies like you know like scary movie and not another teen movie and and things like that that were just straight up parodies and and just very very silly. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that initial trailer gave off that vibe a little bit. Whereas yeah. this was, you know, it's still like a black comedy, isn't it? But it's it's a bit more subtle than that. It's a bit more grounded than that. Just than just scary movie outright silliness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think as well, Dave. I know it sounds daft, but you don't think time moves on. But even in eight years, if this came out now, you wouldn't be that shocked, would you? And I didn't think in 2010 I would have been that shocked having watched it for the first time. But just reading, obviously, people will complain about anything these days. We know that. The internet's a platform for anybody to complain, aren't they? If one person <laughs> doesn't like something, as you know, it can snowball into all sorts of stuff, Dave. So it's interesting. I know now, obviously, they go more viral than they did in 2010. But but I don't remember at the time feeling that uncomfortable watching the film just because all of, like, the main characters were underage. I just... We've seen that in films in the past. I just think more of the direction. It was very much a Matthew Vaughan. It's very much like a Tarantino type uh, gore as well, isn't there? Where it's just absolutely yeah, yeah. going on. So maybe that's what they were getting at. But eight years later, would I have been bothered going to the cinema to watch it? As in, would I have been shot? Not really. So I think I, it holds up well. We'll get into that obviously in the review. Yeah, I, I guess it's all expectations as well, isn't it? So if you see, you know, there's Hit Girl there, and you drag. Your little kids along, you know, oh yeah, yeah, and you remember seeing Superman from the late seventies, you know, and, and you drag him along, then then you're probably going to be a bit surprised, I, I think, and and you would probably be quite shocked. It's yeah. almost like a shocked by proxy, isn't it? You're shocked for your your younger kids. Yeah, 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 and I think I think to be fair, after watching what just well after reading what I've just said about it being in France. Maybe in France it might be a bit more shocked. I think so, yeah, yeah. Or they should be. If yes. if they're treating it like a PG. Yeah. Do you think see. they've got more lax view on it? Like they watch the first five minutes of a movie and they just think, <laughs> Yeah, that's about a PG that is <laughs> Right, time to go on a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I don't think there's anything not anything wrong with it, but I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? it? Like you say, we know this by doing the reviews and what we'll get to when we've done our reviews. It's all subjective, isn't it? But, I mean, come on. Some of the stuff we've seen from Tarantino, even in the mid-90s, was worse than this, Dave. You know, this is just this is just a superhero film, but it's also done like a, a sort of black comedy parody, isn't it, as well, where it's just completely over the top to anything we'd seen before. So, I, I don't know. Interesting. Whether 2010 Chris would have said that, I don't know. But I, I don't think – I'm not that surprised by what I've just seen. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Should we get into the movie then? Let's go. Okay, so we start off with some voiced over talk about being a superhero and we see someone dressed up like very much like a superhero on top of the skyscraper and we get that kind of superhero inspirational music in the background and we have a crowd of people at the bottom all watching in a, in amazement as he leaps off the building and we're still getting some great music there and then he promptly crashes into the top of a <laughs> of a car and um you're suddenly like, oh, you know, again, 
bit of a shock. What am I watching? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get the line, oh, by the way, that's not me. And as soon as it starts, I think it feels very much, you know, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. We, we haven't done that yet, but you get that kind of Peter Parker commentating on life over while something else is happening um, quite a lot, don't we? Yeah, and I think as well, Dave, there's a few parallels at this, maybe in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, that it's funny you picked up on that because that's exactly what I was going to bring in on a couple of the scenes and a couple of the little sections. It felt very much like a, a Spider-Man film. I agree. It felt very similar, shall we say. Yeah, and what I'd say is that, that this is done, it's done slightly differently. Um, so in the comics, you know, he's trying to, um, I, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's, he's basically, he thinks he's got wings, you know, and he's, he's saying switch the wings to manual or something like that. So he realizes halfway down they're not working. So you get some profanities before he plummets to his death. But I mentioned about John Romita Jr. So he'd said that he had free reign on how he looked. So he drew a lot of the backgrounds were very much like his uh, where he lived in Queens. And of course, we know where Spider-Man's home is, don't we? Yep. It's Queens. Queens so, yeah. you know, I think some of it's very deliberate, you know, on, on how it, because obviously Millar, you know, had, had written Spider-Man before. He was a massive, massive fan. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that's that's all very deliberate there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think as well, Dave, it, it's it, I, I like what they've done with the film for the simple reason that it felt how, when you were a kid, you, how realistic, I know it sounds, this sounds really bizarre, this, but how a realistic superhero would actually act, not this sugarcoat. Obviously, the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans are great, and they're great films and that, the first couple, obviously, more than anything. But they're really, there's just a few things in this that I really took to, and I thought, you know what, that's actually more real. I know it's supposed to be like a bit of a parody, but it's more realistic than what you'd expect when it's sugar-coated. You know, like where, I'll get to that when we get in the review. There's a couple of things yeah, I picked yeah. out. But I did like what Matthew Vaughan did with this. The style of it was really good. Yeah. And so, like I say, the the movie is very much based on the on the comic book. But there are a few little changes. But the basic beats are, are pretty much the same there. And I think it is very, very grounded at the start and then as the movie goes on it, it becomes a bit less grounded but it kind of you know it just introduces a bit more things that are unrealistic as you go along so yeah i think it absolutely does start in a very grounded way yeah yeah it does and so i mean we start we go to a fantastic comic book shop you know what what a lovely idea i'm not aware of any comic book shops like this but that idea of having a um, a nice little coffee shop in in one part and then having all your comics in the other is is uh, is really cool. I think it's probably quite impractical as well. <laughs> you know, well, um, apparently, Dave. So to cut across you. Yep. It was actually Mark Millar uh, wanted that in the film because it's based on a comic book shop he used to go to that shut down, and he had to ask permission for it to be built at Pines Old because a lot of the stuff was done at Pinewood. Um, and in fact, I'm going to get the name now because I actually I found this when I was researching it. So it's actually all been custom built, and they had to get permission off the original uh, owner because it's right. out, can they use it in the film? Ah, well, that's that is cool because again, if it's not if it's not around anymore, it, it obviously wasn't profitable. But 
again, I don't think it's it's that practical, you know, spilling coffee all over your comic books and whatever, but it, it does look cool and it's somewhere that I'd I'd love to go to, to be honest. Oh, it looked great, didn't it? And, and I think as well, it was like a bit it looked like a bit of a safe haven as well, didn't it, for these sort of comic book nerd sort of thing. Um Atomic Comic Store, Dave, recently in Arizona. Oh, so right. he asked his friend John, you know, Ramita Jr. asked uh, some guy called Mike Malve for permission to use it in the film, and a model version of them was created at London. So, a bit of trivia for you there. At least I can pull that one out of the bag. Well, he must he must have been going when he was an adult because he he grew up in Scotland, obviously. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he must have gone later. But oh, that's that's fantastic. That and. So we get we get the who the voice is. So this is Dave uh, Liz Lizowski, yeah, Lizowski. Um, and actually, there was an auction, a charity auction, to name you know who Kickass would be. And so there was a chap called Dave Lizowski, and he won it and named it after himself. <laughs> so that's that's where that name comes from. As you would, yeah. Why not? Why not? But yeah, so he's kind of, he's been talking to us, hasn't he? Uh, and he's talking to his friends there. And again, I just thought it was a really sweet moment. You know, they're just friends talking about, you know, why would no one become a, a real life superhero? And uh, I quite like his his chubbier mate. Uh, it's quite, quite funny there. With the glasses but, on, yeah. Yeah. And something we discussed off air, but we'll we'll bring it up here as well, that around the table, You've got two different versions of Quicksilver there, haven't you? Yeah, which you you spotted that, Dave. I I, I kept thinking he looked like I said to you Jesse Eisenberg, didn't he? But yeah, it's not yeah. Him, you know the social, um, the Facebook film and stuff, and obviously you, like you said, he's out of the X Men uh, universe, not Marvel. But whereas the main actor is out of the Marvel universe. Yeah, and so the, there's only that I'm aware of. There's only one character. So the way the rights have been split up, because Quicksilver, he is a mutant, but he spent most of his comic book career, if you like, with the associated with the Avengers, more so than, than with the X-Men. And so he's one of those that kind of uh, was in both movies and totally different actors. And, and I'm, I'm sure that's probably why they killed him off. Spoilers, if you, if you haven't seen Age of Ultron. But yeah, no, I thought that was, that was really interesting there. Yeah. And so after this bit of a discussion, and his mates aren't bought into it at all, so it doesn't it doesn't really seem to matter what they say. He's he's going to do it. He's going to go off and and do it there. And I guess you you get a little bit about what his what his life's like, don't you? So he hasn't had anything particularly traumatic in his life that would make him go off and and be that trigger. You know, he's like Batman. He hasn't had his parents killed or anything. Uh, his mum's died of an aneurysm, but that's kind of one of those things. And then and then life just kind of carried on. So, yeah, he, he goes through this, but he just decides he wants to do it. So he gets himself a scuba diving suit and <laughs> basically arms himself. He's got a couple of batons. And, you know, he's I love the bit in the mirror you know, where he's kind of pretending he's up against someone and he's it's just pretty pathetic isn't it to be honest you know <laughs> but it just kind of uh i couldn't possibly say i remember doing stuff like that as a kid but kind of do <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I think remember necessarily the superhero stuff maybe superman and that but make more probably the karate films thinking i was bruce lee or jackie chan or something dave but yeah or danny larusso 
<laughs> More like Ali out of Karate Kid. No, no, definitely not Daniel LaRusso. No, not unless I wanted to get beat up anyway. <laughs> not practicing your crane kick in front of the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave. What is it? It's only, uh, what does your mate say? I love that. It's just a jumping front kick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny how you remember these silly little conversations. So it's probably probably very similar to this comic book uh, conversation they're having. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so they they he meets up, he he goes out, and and obviously they they'd been mugged, hadn't they? They'd had their comics stolen by a couple of thugs. But he thinks he dons the suit, and now he's a superhero. So he goes out and decides to confront these guys. <laughs> and you know, again, it's just a, it just is kind of grounded, isn't it? So you go and watch Superman. You don't, you don't question you know, his his outfit or anything. But I liked the, the reaction of the thugs as well, because it's just like, you know, if yourself, you were in the streets and you suddenly saw, saw someone walking walking by and it wasn't a Comic Con or something like that, you know, you would have a, a similar reaction, I think. <laughs> yeah, you would, because there's, you know, I, I like the fact that he's got the scuba diving suit on, but he's got like the Timberlands on as well. And then sort of <laughs> 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 I mean, anybody with any sort of salt would be like, right, okay. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's, that is absolutely perfect because in other films, you get it where you'll get it, it'll, it'll confront two people, they might have a go at it, but after a couple of little, you know, punches or kicks, they're absolutely petrified and run off. These guys are like, no, this is just a guy in a scuba, scuba diving outfit. So I really like what they did because there was no fear there at all. Yeah, yeah. And so he does, it goes the way where you kind of think, again, it would go in real life. So, you know, he doesn't suddenly become the superhero and take them down. Nope, he gets uh, he gets stabbed quite badly and yeah. then kind of ends up a double whammy, walks into the road and gets uh, taken out by a car who didn't stop or slow down either, it seems, but... Yeah, so so he ends up in in hospital, doesn't he? He did initially have all of his kick-ass stuff on, all his gear on, and then they uh, they've taken that all off, and then he gets to see his his uh, X-rays, and he I, I love that where he's looking at it, and he's like, I'm like Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> so even though you know it, it is this superhero show, that it, it's like it's grounded, so they've got the same awareness of other characters you know in the comic book world and and you know they mention things from like you know the marvel universe from from dc as well when we get right to the end and so i, I quite like that and obviously it was probably more due to the to the car crash but all of his nerve endings were then severed as well so he, he has a much kind of like ajax if you remember from the yeah. uh, from the Deadpool movie, so he had no feeling, so he didn't really feel pain, and so he he does kind of get a, a little bit of a superhero upgrade there, which I I kind of thought was quite good. Yeah, I I thought that because again, it's happened on a few characters, not just um, Ajax as well, crossover films and that where you get that, don't you? Where something happens and it just triggers something in the body. So that's just the natural thing, nerve endings. But it does make it more believable because obviously he does take a few beatings through this film. Yeah, and I love his friend's reaction. You know, there's no kind of, there's no kid gloves or anything, is there? 
You know, <laughs> no the comics just, just like <laughs> trying to trying to test out just how much he can't feel. So they're kind of giving him a few digs, and then <laughs> he picks up his dinner tray, you know, and he pretends to walk off, and then just smacks him over the head. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved all that bit. Oh, it's brilliant! Absolutely brilliant, Dave. <laughs> but then, as well, because they they'd kind of cut off all his scuba gear and everything. He finds out that, you know, this, this girl who he's really had a crush on suddenly notices him. And basically, he's a bit confused by that. And then that's when his friends break it to him. Oh, because you were found kind of uh, naked, people just assume you're gay. <laughs> and. Going back 20 odd years, well, 30 years, you know, whatever it is since I left school, 20 years, shall we say, I'm giving away a couple of years there on my side. But genuinely, that's exactly how these sort of daft rumors start at school, though, don't they? (laughs) You know, like when you were a kid, it's the worst thing in the world if you're not um, gay or lesbian or whatever for someone to actually call you out because people are horrible, aren't they? And you would get that at school and rumors would start over kids. And you were like, when you look back now, even though yourself, you're thinking, oh, that is awful, you know, because you've got kids of your own and and it is, but it's funny because it just escalates into, well, yeah, she thinks I'm gay, but it also works to his advantage then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, in the comics, they, they, they go a little bit further because I, you know, when you watch the movie and you sort of think, well, that's a bit of a leap, isn't it? Um, but they say in the comics, you know, he's like a gay prostitute and he, you know, he's, he's basically beaten up. So that's, that, there's a little bit, there's an intermediate step there. You yeah. Know, it's not just that he was gay and he was found naked. And so, yeah, he absolutely, you know, turns a negative into a positive. <laughs> <laughs> so katie is uh his schoolgirl crush you know he um well no it's not his schoolgirl crush is it so his is the schoolgirl he's got a crush on yeah um yeah so it basically she kind of has that kind of personality who wants to look after the what did they say the lame duck or something like that you know so she kind of takes him under it her wing yeah so yeah, he gets into all kinds of situations, but he's he's playing along with it, isn't he? Oh, I tell you what, though, Dave. Let, let's just yep. go back to as well. We're going back. To, we're going back eight years now. I love the fact that MySpace is still prominent in this film. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, if it wasn't for that, I think it, it would absolutely stand up. So say they just said. Well, in 2010, yes. was Facebook, Facebook was a thing, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, well, 2007, Facebook became a big thing. So right, everyone that's right. when I joined. That's when everyone started really joining. It probably was just before then, but 2007 was when it real hit globally, I think. Yeah, so that was the... That was the only thing I thought that really dated this this movie was was it the prominent use of MySpace and and again it's it's the same in the comics as well where they talk about MySpace yeah but yeah he, he sort of sets up all his different um, you know he's he's he sets up his little MySpace page and he's using that to message people and and you know for people to send messages to him and he's kind of going around looking for crime isn't he and and he ends up um he's trying to find oh he, he finds a little poster so mr bitey has gone missing <laughs> yeah, <the cat>. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah and again I, I wondered if that was a little callback to the superman 
the Christopher Reeve Superman, yeah. where he, he rescues the cat from the tree. And that's a Superman cliche as well, isn't it? Rescue cats. Yeah, well. so I I wasn't sure if it if it was to do with that, but you know, he's he's again, you know, fair play to the lad. He's he's going around just asking people where this is. And so he goes up, uh, he, he finds, which, which fair play, if you're in the middle of New York to find a cat, that, that's pretty impressive. And he, he goes up, he, he's climbing up and he's trying to get Mr. Bitey. <laughs> and, um, and they end up, there's, there's a chase on, isn't there? So a few, uh, a few guys, sort of three guys are chasing this other one. Yeah. And I think kick he ends up dropping to the ground, doesn't he? And trips up the guy. And then they just start pounding on this guy. You, you've no idea what the backstory is, whether he deserved it. You know, he's he's done something, but basically, Kickass, this is his opportunity, isn't it? So he just jumps in there with his batons flying around and stuff. And then I just love the next bit, you know, where again, no, we'd seen earlier in the movie, hadn't we? His, his commentary on, you know, people don't do anything. You know, they just watch yeah. and just let crime happen. So he's not going to do that. He jumps right in there. And again, I think they do a pretty good job. You know, he's swinging his batons around, but he's pretty useless. <laughs> yeah, it's like a comedy of errors, isn't it? He actually does well against them, but actually by accident, because I think they're about as good at fighting as he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he can't feel any punches as such, but he basically says to this guy, you know, call 911. And he, <laughs> the guy just runs into the diner and he's like, there's a guy outside dressed up as a superhero. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone's there with their phones, you know, watching this fight go down. And then in the end, um, you know, he's he's kind of he's not really won the fight, but he's holding off the guys from from beating up this other guy any any more. And they just decide. I think the police start arriving, don't they? Or you know, they basically decide. Look, this is just not worth worth dealing with at all. But then that that's his big break, isn't it? Because everyone's uploading pictures to YouTube. And he's getting loads and loads of views and becomes a, a little bit of a minor celebrity there. Yeah, he does because you've got the shops then selling kick ass stuff, haven't you? Merchandise and the suits yeah, and yeah. stuff. Which makes me laugh because in one of the shops, they've got a kick ass suit, but it just looks like a cheap version when he's only bought a scuba diving outfit. Exactly, so yeah. Surely somebody should have gone, well, that's just a scuba diving outfit, you know, but but you know, it's funny. That's because that's what you get. It's like they go into the comic book store, don't they? And everything is kick-ass. The whole shop is laid out, cups. Even he's a, I'm watching it now as we speak. They have kick-ass cappuccinos and everything. It's just yeah. And that's how these things happen, don't they? And just and you know, around this time, what I liked is they were using the cameras. Obviously, the phones are like flip phones and stuff and mm-hmm. old school. But everyone was using cameras, weren't they? So even then, eight yeah, years ago, yeah. it was something. It was a powerful tool against crime as much as anything else yeah yeah so yeah i mean like you say in the coffee shop they're discussing kick-ass and uh, you know stuff everywhere um it, it had all gone viral and then katie sort of, sort of she talks about a needle exchange program that she's working on and there's this guy uh razul and again you know so the name razul with us just doing batman yeah. begins last week i i wondered is that an intentional kind of homage to, to Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. It's I quite thought close, that. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I thought the same thing, Dave. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, again, you've got you've got a college kid on a working on a needle exchange program, which seems a little bit dangerous, but okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. And so, you know, David feeling quite protective. You know, he walks to what looks like a pretty rough area. <laughs> and again, hats off to him. He, he doesn't care. He just wanders in and he goes up, sort of finds where this guy is and wanders into that place. And then again, you know, you've got these these massive, uh, intimidating looking blokes and you've got um, Kick-Ass there with his weedy little shoulders. I mean, uh, Aaron, what's his face? He he builds up quite a lot over the years, doesn't he? But at this point, you know, he's still a weedy looking kid. Sorry. What I can't understand is though, the girl obviously is, he's, you know, how has she even got involved with these people? Because she seems just completely prim and proper, doesn't she? And then he which, just, this, which know, girl? his the girlfriend, girl. isn't it? It's his girlfriend who obviously, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, the Katie. Yeah, Case, we know it's obviously the needle exchange, but you're sort of thinking, it, was, uh, it didn't take it away at all. It was just one of the daft questions. My, my inner self was asking us, thinking, this is obviously just where we've got the comic book artistic license again. Because well, I think, that, so, so the story is that, you know, this result, he, he, she, so she was working, she was volunteering at this needle exchange program, and, you know, Razul had gone there to exchange some needles, presumably, given some sort of sob story about, you know, his childhood being bad and everything. And because they built up her character as someone who who empathizes and, and likes to take on those those tragic cases, that's how they'd ended up getting involved. But it, but it does stretch it a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, you're right. It, it, I mean, it doesn't matter because the film's like totally far-fetched anyway, isn't it? But it was just a daft one. Well, the only bit where I thought, I'm not too sure whether... She'd be that daft enough to even get that involved, but it don't matter. It's just me overthinking something. It's just so that, in, like you always say, my inner workings were thinking. I'm not sure whether I can accept this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, again, he, he issues an ultimatum. Quite ballsy of him. I would say. <laughs> and then uh, you know, he, he he has a he has a little upgrade. So before, when he he had his batons, that was it, wasn't it? But now he's got a little taser. Which again, so a little bit of an upgrade, but not really that great unless you're fighting just one person. <laughs> <laughs> but he does get a good shot in, doesn't he, on Razul, and he just sort of gets him right in the head with the taser, which which must be pretty painful. Yeah, but then you didn't really think of the second step. <laughs> so <laughs> So he's sort of pinned down and and you're sort of thinking, oh, how's he going to get out of this one? And then that's when we get introduced to Hit Girl, isn't it? Yeah, and I must admit that Hit Girl's brilliant. Absolute class character. Yeah, and and she's the star of the show, really, isn't she? Because he's just a bit of a nerd playing at being a superhero. And this is the line, isn't it? So when she introduces herself, she drops the C-bomb, and that's where, you know, all the the grandparents sort of suck back on their teeth and go, oh, what's she just done there? But, you know, again, it's just to... I don't know. It's it's a little bit for shock value, I think. It's, It's thrown in there. But what does she do after that, Chris? She starts taking names, Dave. Taking names. Doesn't she ever... And taking names to the banana splits as well. Yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we did Kingsman as well, 
I think we'd commented that whoever Matthew Vaughan has working with him or whether he, he has particular oversight over the music, I just think it's such a theme of all the movies that he produces, going back to the likes of Lockstock and things like that. He, he just seems to have great music in his movies. Yeah, he does. And, and it works, Dave. And I must admit, this scene is where, as someone who's obviously I've watched, I've seen this film before, but it was a long, probably when it probably come out around 2010, 2011. So many similarities in the fighting style of Kingsman. Yeah. With the music, it's all set to a different thing. Like we had um, Dingy, didn't we? we had Leonard Skinner for the yeah, uh, yeah. scene, the, the church for scene the church, in, yeah. in Kingsman. And that was more to do with him just going on Google, looking for long guitar solos. And, that, and that's where that came from. And, and this again, the way that Hit Girl is fighting, it just reminds me of uh, Galahad in Kingsman. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. Dave. And I, I, I've got to commend Matthew Vaughan because I absolutely love it. Absolutely love the whole, uh, the, whoever does the choreography for him in these films, it must be the same person. I should look this up, but absolute class. So good, so good. And Hit Girl just looks like a comic book character, Dave. Yeah. It just looks like they've just took her off um, a page of a comic. So good. So, and then obviously we get introduced then to <laughs> good old Nicolas Cage, big daddy. <laughs> 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 Absolutely amazing, Dave. Amazing. And one thing I wanted to point out, Dave, I don't know if you noticed this, we get the thing where Hit Girl's fighting, she takes everyone out, and then the guy who was sentry in the door, holding the door, uh, she kills the call girl, doesn't she? And the knives go through the door. Everything's done for a reason, you would have thought. thought. But I kind of, I got the impression she was there because she was paid to be there. You know, she wasn't part of the gang or anything. No. So to to so brutally kind of take her out as well, I, I thought that was a bit much. Yeah, I'm with you. And I thought there was a couple of the guys in the room. I don't think they would have put out put much resistance and she still killed them as well, didn't she? Yeah, she, she, she was absolute, absolutely brutal, wasn't she? She, yeah. was, she was not making exceptions. There was no... Um, she's almost like Rorschach yeah. from the Watchmen, you know, where it's like you are on the wrong side, so you will be dealt the ultimate punishment. Yeah, and that's exactly what she did. And then she, there's only one oversight in the whole of this scene where she took out six or seven people is the guy sends you in the door, sees the knives, the blood comes through the door, and it pans him. So I'm sort of at this point thinking he's going to do a runner here, he's going to like it. Anyway, he comes back in and she sort of... Uh, cleaning the blood off her blades and he's about to sort of shoot her, you know, get her or whatever, shoot her. Mm -hmm. And then he gets shot and then we pan out to what can only be described as an absolute parody Batman suit, which I absolutely loved. And there is good old Nick Cage with the stick on goatee and everything, Dave. I <laughs> thought it was great. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. And we don't hear a lot. He says a couple of things to her and then they sort of jump across she jumps across the roof to him and they go down this billboard ladders either side, don't they, and disappear into the sort of night. And then Kickass goes back to his... This is what I was going to get out. He, he just bottles it, doesn't he? Yeah, he won't they, jump. They want, him, they want him to go along with them, but he just he, he won't jump across and kind of realises at that point, doesn't he? I'm just playing at this. These yeah. guys are the real deal. 
And also the couple of things at this point you said about Spider-Man, that's very much a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man bit when he's trying to get the courage up to jump in at the start, you know, when he's got his powers. Mm-hmm. He's trying to jump yeah. in from building to building. And that reminded me a bit of that because there's a couple of bits there where you get the false jump until he takes that leap of faith. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. Got, but what I was what I really picked out was you go back to kick ass house, and that reminded me so much of uh, Peter Parker's house in the Sam Raimi films. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just exact. I know they're probably pretty much a generic house on a street in the suburbs of certain places in America. It's all filmed in, in Ontario. It's not actually filmed in New York, even though a lot of the screen setting is New York. The actual uh, shots on the ground where they've got to shoot in America is in Ontario. And obviously a lot of the other stuff's filmed in the UK. But I just I kept I kept thinking the way his room was set up and everything, thinking this is just Toby Maguire levels. He's just yeah. basically copied it beat for beat, you know, other than a bit of colouring on the wall. And I think outside, I think it's later on in the movie, um, when it, he's outside, and I I thought, is that actually even the same set? You know, yeah. when Toby Maguire had uh Mary Jane. What was what's the actress's name? Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Where where they're kind of next door to each other. It looked just like that. And I, I wondered if it was the same set or the, or they've intentionally made it very, very similar to that. But yeah, I, again, it's another strong kind of Spider-Man influence at this point, isn't it? Yeah, and then with him being back at his house, he sort of wakes up with... Hit girl and Big Daddy in his room, and at this little scene, we've got absolute Nicholas Cage did it on purpose. I researched. I actually messaged you at first because I hadn't researched it. Adam West yeah, doing his the, <laughs> even the way he was speaking was absolutely word for word Adam West. So I went online. I thought he's got to have done this, and it was. It was basically him parodying Adam West and just doing his best Batman impression. And I, I loved it. I just thought, even the pauses in the way he spoke and the way he was trying to inform him of what was going on was just I Batman. I think it, it was more that, wasn't it? It was the more the rhythm, the cadence of his yeah. voice yeah. that just made you think Adam West. Excellent. I mean, the suit is an absolute Batman rip-off anyway, isn't it? So uh, more than anything, it just looks yeah. like a cheap Halloween costume, doesn't it, a Batman? But that's the whole point of, of the uh, you know the character and stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it's very intentionally to be Batman, basically. But I, I seem to remember they, they wanted it to look like stuff that you could actually buy. And I'm yeah. sure I, I've heard at some point or read somewhere that it's like it's, it's almost like French riot gear, you know, makes up a lot of the, the suit. So it's stuff that you can buy. You know, it's not kind of custom-made Batman suit kind of thing. So that, that's why it looks a little bit different there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, and they, they basically tell him, you know, we found you pretty easy because, you know, of your IP address and stuff. It's just that no one else has tried before. And so he kind of, um, again, it's just another indication that he's in over his head. But basically, I think they, they give him some encouragement there, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But I guess if we so if we if we go if we jump back a little bit as well. So we we first had been introduced to Big Daddy and Hit Girl, hadn't we when when he was basically shooting her. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I just thought just a brilliant scene from both actors, you know, from uh Chloe, what is it? Chloe Moretz. Yeah. 
it's like, you know, yep, it's going to hurt this bullet to the chest. And again, I think it reminds me a little bit of that opening uh, scene from the, the very first pilot for The Walking Dead, where he has to shoot a little girl because you don't really know what's happening there, do you? So you just see a, a few feathers get blown out and stuff. So seeing a little girl get shot on screen, even if she's wearing a bulletproof vest, I, I think would shock quite a lot of people, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, graphic, Dave. And at first, I think, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then, like I say, absolutely channeling Adam West. And I liked the introduction. So you got to see through his own he's quite an artist as well isn't he yeah. <laughs> Hell of a cartoonist, yeah yeah so it, it looked pretty good there so his, his mate finds all of his uh his story so it, again i thought it was a nice storytelling device you know where where did these people come from so you get that backstory that you know he's an ex-cop He'd been framed by Frank D'Amico and his wife had committed suicide, leaving behind Mindy, his daughter. And that was the whole motivation for for getting back at this crime boss. Again, a, a little bit different and a bit better, quite honestly, I think, than the comics. In the comics, he, he's, an, he's a frustrated accountant who just wants to put some uh, additional excitement in his life. Whereas this is a is a genuine motivation and, and an understandable motivation. Yeah, because he says they changed it, didn't he? He didn't actually go out and kill anybody in the comics, did he? He just fantasized about it. But like kick ass, is that correct? Or did he actually was he actually a killing machine in the comics? Well, I mean, I, I can't remember off the top of my head whether he killed anyone, but uh, Hit Girl absolutely did. I mean, oh, yeah, she was a, a little ninja, you know, and I, I do remember quite a lot of the graphic blood scenes and you know blood just splattered all over the page kind of thing so so yeah um one of the things i want to say dave as well is that his partner he's obviously the, his ex-partner the copper who brought her up mm-hmm. and stuff what well, could we get this scene don't you where he's been in jail and everything that uh big daddy is a guy called amari hardwick now it might not mean a lot to you, i don't know if you've ever seen it but it's an absolutely amazing show on netflix which is the Fourth series is out next week called Power, and I absolutely love it. And he's the main character in it, Dave. And I must say, we're going back eight years, and he doesn't look any different there than he does now. So whether he was in his early 30s, and I'm not sure, but he's a fantastic actor, Dave. So if you get a chance, it's it's very much the Wire-type setting, you know, drug-based, gangland. He's a brilliant character in it. He's fantastic, and he's called Ghost. And if you get anyone out there, I know it's not comic book based, amazing series. But I was dead pleased because I've not seen him in a lot of things other than Power. He's, there's a couple of cameos in the odd films, but he, he is a great actor, honestly. And obviously, right, right. He, he don't do much fighting. He doesn't do any fighting in this, but he's he's a proper like good martial artist and things like that and these other other stuff that i've seen especially oh, power okay. it's brilliant yeah really good i'll have to i'll have to check that one out I, mm. I think as as jamie had said last week you know if he hasn't looked if he doesn't look any older he's, he's got a timeless face yeah i was listening back to our episode and i think that's how she described it whereas i said you know michael kane he just looked old even when he was young which is possibly a little bit more unkind <laughs> <laughs> to, to say it but uh yeah so we, we'll go with that we'll go with the kind version a, a timeless face yeah i like that yeah we'll, we'll, we'll have that as one of our taglines but yeah no so yeah that's a recommended one there dave completely off the wall yeah um, now obviously from that scene we then get we i've got to say dave we've not really mentioned him at all but mark strong again matthew vaughn loves him doesn't he? but what a great actor 
He's brilliant, isn't he? And, he? and he's American accent. I know we slated the guy off the full Monty last week because it was terrible, and we I've slated, but I haven't. You have. You haven't said much. You didn't say slag him off like I did. But my, my, Martin Freeman's in Black Panther. Yeah. This, this American accent was bob on. I don't know whether it's because where he is. I'm not sure. However, he's you know he's done a lot in America because he's got shown at the moment, and that he's quite big over there and it's on Sky. But his ac- range of accents are brilliant. Really good, and 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 he's convincing as a, as a gangster. He looks like an Italian sort of mafia guy, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think this might have been the first thing I saw him in, and I I, I just assumed he was American. Now, if you are if you are Italian American, and and it's that New York kind of flavour to the accent, isn't it? Maybe you would think his accent isn't great, but to my ear, it it sounds great. Yeah, you know, whereas you know Martin Freeman, uh, the the full Monty chap, you can tell something's just off. Whereas I, I just bought it hook, line, and sinker for this one, and mm-hmm. and I thought he he played a pretty good baddie. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if it was me and you had the conversation. Would you ever watch that program, Our Friends in the North? No, no. The BBC program from the nineties. It starred him. He was because obviously he's a Geordie, and it's him, Daniel Craig, and Christopher Eccleston. And it starts off in like the, I think it's the late 50s, early 60s. And, and they're all three friends. And it goes on their journey up to like around about the 80s or early 90s as older men. It's a great show, but that's where I remember him from because he was he had hair in that and everything. And as the he's obviously never had hair since he was early 20s. But in the series, he's got like long hair, like a hippie and stuff. And then it progresses, right. you know. So this is the character we know now. But even then, going back to probably... By the early 2000s, that was on Dave, or late 90s. He's brilliant in that as well, really good. Daniel Craig was synonymous in it because he was like, the three of them were so good in that show. Right, right. No, I'll have to let's try and see if I can get that. I'm sure if it, if it's from the 90s, I might might get the old one on uh, YouTube or something. But, yeah, I mean, through this, so we get old Frank, you know, Mark Strong's character, is basically his drug operations are all being disrupted. And I, I like the torture scene with the guy, you know, he said he, he's dressed up, you know, he's all in black, and someone says, you know, what, like Batman? <laughs> you get this interesting dialogue, you know, everyone's saying, I didn't say Batman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he said said batman stole his stole his drugs so um but yeah so th- so they get the impression that you know there's some uh, some costume vigilante that are disrupting their drug operations so so they think it's kickass because he's the most he's the most famous person they know about they don't know about big daddy and and hate girl at this point and so you know he's he's getting more and more agitated and we get these various scenes he sort of has a massive <laughs> they put this guy in the massive microwave don't they and uh, yeah. sort of try and so it's not that good a technique really if you can't hear anything um but yeah they ended up sort of exploding him in the in the microwave there and so anyway when when he like say he finds out and he assumes it's kick-ass this next bit was pretty shocking you know again i'm thinking what the hell's going on here when i'm watching it for the first time but he sees kick-ass just wandering along in the street doesn't he and then he basically takes him down and puts a bullet in his head 
And, and then take, <laughs> he kills that guy, don't he? Yeah, so a wonderful piece of editing <laughs> at this point where it just cuts to him sort of reading. It's like, what do you mean people dress up and kick ass at parties? I, I can understand, like, did he say Spider-Man or something like that? Yeah, but yeah. People are inviting kick ass to parties. <laughs> Again, <laughs> just in a very black, comedic way. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty fantastic. And brutal because at the time, you know, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I I thought he just killed Kickass. I did, and I thought. Then I'm thinking, have we got some Nick Fury type LMD situation going on? But what a way! Because <laughs> we not we knew they were selling the suits and that. But what a subtle way in the comic book store early, as we mentioned regarding all the merchandise. Someone's got in and bought a cheapo suit, and then just randomly, there's no mention of Kickass being. Yeah people copying him or, or like, you know, sometimes on the news they'll be like, you know, if you're going out dressed as kick-ass, please remember. And all, you know, they bring it into the story, don't that just to sort of justify if someone gets killed. But this was just totally left field and he just blew him away. And I was thinking, I don't remember this bit. Has he got a bulletproof vest on or something? Well, then it was like, oh, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really good, really good. And then we get, so Chris, so McLovin, I mean, I was thinking about this when I was watching it, that, you know, the poor actor, he'll probably get to like Michael Caine, Sean Connery age, and and he'll still be McLovin, you know, despite the fact of all of the different and varied roles he'll probably play in his life. But anyway, so to me, he's he's just always McLovin. Yeah, me too. And um, so he comes up with the idea of of maybe he can try and get the inside track. So he'll set himself as up as his own superhero, Red Mist, and try and get in there with Kickass. And he's got all of the uh, all of the money behind him. They they have a little sacrificial lamb as well, don't they? So one of the uh, associates, you know, they basically throw under the bus you know, to pretend that Red Mist has actually caught him. So he gets quite a lot of fame quite quickly. And and I think David, kick-ass, he, he gets a bit jealous, doesn't he, you know, of, of Red Mist? Yeah, yeah, he does. And so they they um they basically end up oh so so Red Mist ends up emailing Kickass on his on his MySpace page and then so they have a little bit of a team up they meet up there and straight away you know Red Mist like you know it will go into this uh, this warehouse and I, I can't remember exactly what the tip off was but he pretends like there's a tip off and you've basically got a lot of Frank D'Amico's goons waiting there and they're gonna they're gonna take down Kickass. And I kind of like the little drive there, <laughs> you know. So again, they've got the the music on, and you know, Red Miss or Chris, he's trying to figure out who this Kickass is, and you know, Kickass is just jigging away there, isn't he, in the passenger seat? <laughs> and it's kind of a sweet moment, and you think, well, actually, these guys could just get on and and just be friends. But anyway, so they they get to the to the warehouse and it's completely on fire and they're not sure what happens. And then so Red Mist he's still keeping up the pretense that he's he's heroic and he sort of runs in there. He's saying there, there might be people in there, and he rescues his little teddy bear, which we find out in a bit has has got a camera inside. And Kickass ends up running inside after him, and basically they'll see there's bodies everywhere, but they're not there because they've been burned. They've got throats slit and and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, and. and- 
And what makes me laugh about this, though, Dave, is he's obviously done a Halford's job. And you know my love for American cars. This red Mustang he's driving has just got every accessory going that you can think of off the shelf. It looks absolutely awful, doesn't it? It's a sort of Batmobile stroke nightmare, whatever it's supposed to be. You know, red mist uh, vehicle. And, you know, he's, he's wowing kick-ass in with a bit of, bit of uh, smoke blowing out of the, the hood of the, the car and stuff like that. And, and I think it looks terrible. Yeah. I think it looks awesome. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't like it. I must admit. No? No. Hey, don't get me wrong. If someone said you can have it, I, I wouldn't say <laughs> no. It would be my uh, personal choice. But what I, what I liked about it, though, Dave, was it was very much pacing the way they were together. Like, because obviously at the start, he goes over to him, doesn't he, to, to like Red Mist when they were just normal people in the comic thing. And he wants to speak to him, doesn't he, because he knows who he is. His dad's this big shot. And that big security guy stops him, doesn't he, in the comic book shop. And you can oh, see yeah, yeah, yeah. violent at each other. And then when this happens, they are getting along, even though he knows he's sort of taking him for a setup. Mm-hmm. There's like a mutual love because they're both kids, aren't they? It's like you said, you're totally right. The bit of music playing, the heads are bopping away, very Wayne's World-like. There's a little bit of a bond there, isn't there? So it, 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 yeah, yeah. it's a human element to uh, the son that we haven't seen. Obviously, he wants to be Red Mist because he's shown already he's a comic book fan. So he's even though he's sort of helping his dad out, he's also wants a bit of the action, doesn't he? Because of what's happening with Kickass, because he's just been a normal, young, regular kid who's never had anything other than you know his dad's sort of uh, silver spoon job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so once they've got back out of the warehouse, they essentially agree to part ways. You know, this is they're in over their heads, and uh, so they they part ways at that point. And I think at, at that point doesn't. Uh, so Kickass basically decides to give it all up, doesn't he? Yeah. So he's he's had enough. Red mist. So Chris, he'll go back uh, to his dad, and again he keeps shaking around this teddy bear <laughs> as if it means something, and that no one knows what the hell he's doing. But it's a, it's a little video camera that his dad had bought because he didn't trust one of the nannies in years gone by, and then they put it in, and I thought I love this bit with Nicolas Cage. So we find out that all these goons were waiting for Kick-Ass and to take him down, and Big Daddy just goes in there, and as you say, Chris, absolutely takes names. Oh, he's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, Dave. It just, I, I like that. You know, I love Nick Cage in a lot of his films, especially the earliest stuff. The stuff recently has been pretty poor, but stuff like Con Air and that, he can pull off the action sequences, can't he, in that? And there was, a, there was a great film years ago called Red Rock West. I don't know if you've ever seen it with Nicolas Cage. It's a fantastic film. I think Dennis Hopper is a bit like the mayor or someone, and he won't let him leave the town. It's a bit like a dual-type situation where no matter where he goes, he can't leave this town. And and he's but what I'm getting at is the action. He's like an ex-army guy. So Nick Cage, even as he's got older and he's become a bit of a parody of himself and he's taking the mick out of himself and the way yeah. he acts and stuff, it's become almost a cliche. But this is him at his best. No, no forgiveness for the way he's acting. He's just hamming it up completely. And I must admit, this is probably when he is at his best when he's not taking himself too seriously. Yeah, absolutely it is. This particular movie, I've seen him in some terrible movies since, but in this movie, I, I think he's, he is pretty good. And, and I, I, I think in a lot of this, though, I, I'm assuming it's a stunt guy in, in the in the suit yeah. in, in a lot of it. But um, what I would say as well, now I, I was trying to think, I haven't seen 28 Days Later for years, but I don't know if the music they were playing there was exactly the same music or it was just very, very similar. 
but I love the music when he's taking everyone out. That music that's playing there just really reminded me of 28 Days Later. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's, he's gun work, though, Dave, again. I'm sorry to keep saying it, but Kingsman, the way he's handling the guns and the movement and the way he's hiding around corners and firing and that, it's all done like in one section like they did in Kingsman where it's all central to the middle of the screen. And it's really effective and really realistic as well, even with the music and the fact that, you know, it's, we know it's not 100% real, but it just it's really effective as, as an action sequence. And I th- I've got to say, Mark Vaughan, Mark Vaughan Matthew Vaughan, He's absolutely on the money with stuff like this. So, yeah, it's almost John Wick, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's almost that gun fu kind of thing as well. But anyway, so now D'Amico knows, you know, it's Big Daddy and it's not uh, Kick-Ass at all. So, as I mentioned, so Kick-Ass has decided, you know, he's going to give it up. And another kind of Spider-Man parallel, there was a famous story, so Spider-Man no more. You've essentially got Kick-Ass no more at this point, haven't you? Yeah. And and again, it's a little bit like Spider-Man 2, where he basically gives up the whole superheroing. But Kick-Ass decides, you know, he's going to actually, he's going to come clean with Katie and he's going to he's gonna let her know that he isn't actually gay. Or, or, yeah. I, well, I don't know if he turns up to do that, but that's that's where it ends up, doesn't it? So initially, he just creeps into her bedroom and shows up as kick-ass. <laughs> and she sort, of, she sort of takes a tennis racket and uh, gives him a good hiding. And then she gets uh, the better of him, which she does. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, you're thinking this is the level that he's at. And so anyway, you know, he ends up saying, you know, it's it's me, and you know, he's also not gay. And so, you know, I think stretching believability a bit. So she thinks, oh well, okay then, let's let's get together. Yeah. Well, he he saw her naked pretty much, Chaddy, when he gave her a suntan, uh, you know, fake suntan. Yeah, but I just I, I think after that lie, I'm I'm not sure she'd react in the same way. But it goes the way you know us comic book nerds would like to think it would go. <laughs> so they end up being boyfriend and girlfriend and quite enjoying a bit of time there. <laughs> Let, yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, and so anyway, you know, Red. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Red Mist is trying to. Um, oh, actually, no. So so. After he sh- after Red Mist has shown his dad the video, he he says, doesn't he, that Kickass mentioned that there were other superheroes out there. So he, so Kickass might know these other people, and so yeah. that's that's the link. That's how they know to kind of they'll find them through Kickass. But actually, Kickass isn't isn't the person disrupting all the operations. And so you know he'd been off MySpace for for about a week, and Red Mist keeps sending him loads and loads of emails, but they end up, they're going to meet up and, you know, find out what, what's going on. So they end up uh, arranging a meetup with Big Daddy and Hit Girl. And then in a, in a pretty brutal way, so Red Mist blows away Hit Girl, doesn't he? And again, because you don't know in her outfit, is she wearing a bulletproof vest or anything? And, you know, he just absolutely blows her away and out of the window. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, you, you sort of know because of what's happened at the start, what's coming next with her, Dave, don't you? You know, he sucked her out, but we know that she's been shot before, and she? She's used to being shot at range and stuff. But we don't know, like you said, she's got a bulletproof vest on. Yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. But I watching it, I 
kind of forgot about that. So I, I not intentionally went along for the ride. I was, I was kind of pulled along for the ride. I was, you know, mouth open. What the hell has just happened? Yeah. So they end up catching Kick-Ass and, and Big Daddy. And, you know, at this point, Chris is like, you know, Kick-Ass is okay. He's with me. But then, you know, the goons are, are not having any of it. And I think at that point, Chris realizes he's lost control of the situation, hasn't he? And, you know, that's what uh, basically they're going to do whatever they're going to do to Big Daddy. They're going to do to kick ass as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and what I can't understand, though, as well, is that obviously the folks come in, but Chris is sort of getting manhandled as well, isn't he? Even though he knows the guy who's got hold of him, he, he, look, I, I was... I, I thought it was quite a good way they did this because obviously Kickass is not sure what's going on. He, he can't understand why he's double crossed him. But also, it almost looks like the baddies are not working for his dad now. You know, this is the main henchman who's been with Chris all the way through the film. And he picks the bazooka up. And I'm thinking, well, the cars have split off. You know, they, they bundle the ball into a van and a car, don't they? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking, has he double crossed his dad here? Is this what's been going on all along? But obviously not. But was, I thought it was quite good the way that played out. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't remember him manhandling Chris at all. I. I just. I just assumed you know it was all a bit. It was all a bit feisty, wasn't it? And you know they they were more focused on Big Daddy and Kickass, but just Chris didn't have any control over the situation at all. He he sort of done his job, hadn't he? And then that was it. You know, focus on these guys. Now you you be on your way, little kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we move to there's going to be they put out a webcast. So they um, they just think Kickass is going to be unveiled on this on this webcast. So they start broadcasting it on the TV as well. And his girlfriend's like, "Oh, brilliant! You know, I didn't know this is what you were doing. Great, I'll watch it." And everyone you can see in the comic book shop and everywhere that they're, they're all watching this thing. And then kind of comes on, and you get the thugs. They're all in the uh, kind of balaclavas and everything and you know it goes into a little bit of a torture scene doesn't it and it again it's pretty brutal they start you know they've got kick-ass and big daddy strapped to a chair and they're they've got the old knuckle dusters and bats and they're giving them a real good going over and so the tv sort of switches off saying it's oh this is too distressing you know you can get it on the web so everyone absolutely legs it to try and find it on the web as well and then again at this point i'm thinking well what is the route out of this you know they're they're basically they've had it and i like the fact that you know again you get that spider-man piece which is the talk over you know and uh says well if you're thinking i do get out of this because i'm talking to you now we'll stop being such a smart ass yeah <laughs> so um yeah quite i quite like that bit but then again we get just a fantastic rescue scene don't we lots of great action and hit girl so she had she did have a bulletproof vest on, so she was alive, and she's come back to to rescue them both. Yeah, and he's and and again take the names exactly. And again, what I like, Dave, is it's got to one of the first films because around this time, gaming has took off massively around the world, and Call of Duty was at its peak around 2010, 2011, and genuinely, the first person view that they pull out as a gamer, I love it that they've got the uh, night goggles on, it's all in green because obviously they can't see and all you see is a hand come from the right-hand side of the screen, cock, yeah. and just start killing people. And that just looks like Call of Duty, Battlefield, any 
first-person shooter, very much very similar, and I absolutely loved it because I know there was a film out uh, about two years ago which was solely first-person view, and it was it was supposed to be really weird to watch, you know, for your eyes. It gave people motion sickness because it was purely from through your eyes. I think it might have been 3D as well, and it was it was like this based on like a uh, sort of a bit like a. Crank, you remember the one with Jason Statham, but yeah, with like yeah. a Call of Duty feel to it as well. It was that exhilarating 90 minutes of just absolute nonsense. And this is what this was, this little scene. I thought it was ace, absolutely brilliant. And then the setting flashing between the two and Kick-Ass and Big Daddy being in trouble and stuff. And, and she's there just absolutely caning everybody in the room. It's brilliant. Yeah, it is fantastic. And it's very deliberate, isn't it, to make it look like a game. I remember Doom as well had that yeah. kind of uh, effect. Not quite as good a movie, I don't think, as this. But uh, yeah, they've done it as well. And again, just very, very deliberate. But I mean, they doused them both in petrol, hadn't they? And that, that was the start of the rescue. But, you know, they essentially light up Big Daddy there. Fortunately, they don't light up kick-ass and i thought what, what do you make to nicholas cage's kind of squeals at, at this point i couldn't understand what he was saying if i'm being honest he was he was trying to direct and i had my headphones on watching it so you obviously you pick up more don't you the dialogue and that more of the background settings when you've got a headset on because you you get that full surround effect i couldn't understand what he was shouting to her you know, because he's going crazy. It, it, yeah. He's doing it because he's, he's burning in. He's burning himself to a crisp and, and slowly dying sort of thing. But I didn't know what he was saying to a Dave. I must have. I don't know if you could understand it, but I couldn't yeah, understand any I, of it. I, I can't think exactly what. He's saying, like, take cover, child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I guess it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, so for, as an actor, you don't quite know what would you sound like if you were agonizingly being burned to death. But you're just, you're still trying to give your daughter help and advice, you know. But I it it, it troubles me a little bit. I I don't think it would sound like that. It it just sounds a little bit off to me. Yeah, yeah, it did. It didn't. It didn't sound uh, right. Now, now, Dave, if I could say to you, there was two other guys up for Big Daddy's position, and they give it Nick Cage. Now, one of them is quite generic. Is Mark Wahlberg? So, all oh, right. He's about as generic as Nicolas Cage. You get what you know, get what he says on the tin. But Daniel Craig was up for it, Dave. But they give really? it to Nicolas Cage. And I'm like, I'm not sure. But I mean, obviously he was doing James Bond at the time as well, so maybe that's why. But I think Daniel Craig might have done a bit better of a job. I, I, I like Nicolas Cage. I'm not going back on what I said earlier. I thought he was great. He's playing up to his strengths, but I'm not sure. This scene here, you're totally right. This is where is Nicolas Cage is not a great actor as such, is he? You know, his, his range of, of acting skills just stay at what they are, you know. <laughs> like, like he's, Cameron, he's always going to be Cameron Poe for me out of uh, Con Air. That's about his best. He's Southern Droll. And, can't, and, and, can't beat that mullet. Exactly. And gone in 60 seconds, you know what I mean? He's always going to be... Um, oh, what's he called? God, I love John in 60 Seconds as well, but he's always going to be that guy in Gone in 60 Seconds. There are his two standout films for me. Yeah. But again, there's not much acting in it, so it's it's. I think I, I'm not sure I could see Daniel Craig in this. I mean, so I think Vaughn's debut was Layer Cake, wasn't it? Yeah, which was obviously you know a breakthrough film for Daniel Craig as well. So, you know, again, and he likes to use people that he knows. I, I kind of, apart from this bit, the the squealing 
while he's burning. Uh, apart from that, I, I thought he, he did pretty well. And I can't actually think of anyone else playing this role. I, I think Daniel Craig would play it a bit too seriously. So I like the fact that he's kind of uh, giving it the full-on Adam West and he's just a bit over the top. Yeah, oh, but he, he is. He's totally over the top. Like I say, I'm not going back on what I said earlier. I, th- I think he's really good in it. It's also one of them ones, what ifs, and you're thinking, what if he'd have been in it? What would it be? But then, again, maybe the film might not have been as successful. So I'll just leave that one on the shelf, I think, Dave. It, just, it more was just interesting who'd gone for the part and was actually in the final rounds of it. I thought quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, Hit Girl, she, she does take out everyone, doesn't she, in a, in a very cinematic and, and very cool way. And then she does manage to have a, a last kind of goodbye. So we see Nicolas Cage, again, he, speaking a bit different. I think he had his lips burned off or something. So, you know, he gets he gets the last few words in there. And so, you know, they, they kind of go back to the hideout. Uh, she sees, I, I thought, again, it was a touching moment. They had the marshmallows with the chocolate waiting there for them when they came back but obviously he's never coming back david he thinks right this is it i'm out again (laughs) this is all a bit too much so let's let's get ready um but no she wants to take take them all out she wants to finish the job that they started and so you know she can't do it on her own she's got all the surveillance video set up and everything so she's going to take down D'Amico. And really, you know, David kind of owes her one because, you know, if it wasn't for him bringing Red Mist to to the hideout, you know, her dad would would still be around. Exactly, exactly. And and you know what? You know, this next scene, obviously, she goes to get revenge, isn't she, and stuff. And and I had so many parallels with this, Dave, with the Matrix scene where Trinity and Neo go and get Morpheus Mm-hmm. Did you not? Did you not get that vibe with it? The way she goes in there um, and absolutely just takes everyone out, but just at the point where she's going to get. Obviously, I know there's only two of them, and the whole point of the Matrix is the, the rescue Morpheus from Agent Smith and the two agents, aren't they, in that building? And it's never been done before. But it just reminded me the whole thing. Just reminded me of that, and then the fact that at the last second she's about to get absolutely caned away with a bazooka, and he comes up through the window. I know he's got a jetpack on, and in the Matrix, it's a helicopter, and Trinity's in the helicopter. It just reminded uh, yeah, me. Of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, we had a thingy royalty as well, Dave. Uh, English gangster stroke football hooligan royalty is one of the main bad guys in this scene against Hit Girl, which is that Tamar Hassan, who's in everything that's anything to do with a London gangster film. He's one of the main henchmen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, again, it was good. You know, again, some good fight choreography. Hit Girl absolutely taking names. And then when she's ran out of the bullets, I I like the moment where they don't want to go and take her on. She's like, but you know, but she's run out of bullets. And then he sort of steps around the corner and ends up with about three knives in him, you know. So, like I say, it's only when the the bazooka guy shows up that's when we finally get Dave showing up on his jetpack, and he, he's got some pretty good machine guns on his attached to his jetpack as well. And we'd been hinted, hadn't we, at this jetpack several times throughout the movie? Yeah. Because I think um, so. Mindy was looking looking at the computer and. 
And <laughs> I like the way, you know, Nicolas Cage walks about around and like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, had to, I had to shop in cart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> An eBay special. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just got it off Amazon. And so, um, so yeah, they they come in there and it ends up being Frank D'Amico versus Hit Girl, Hit Girl and then Kick-Ass versus Red Mist. And I like the comparison as well because you've got two quite evenly matched. Again, I'm assuming it's not Mark Strong who's given the old uh, spinning kicks and all that, but he's actually pretty formidable. Yeah. Whereas in the kind of dojo piece, you've got Red Mist and Kick-Ass with this pretty pathetic fight <laughs> going on. But but they end up clocking each other and knocking each other out, don't they? And in the other fight, again, it looks like D'Amico's going to get the better of Hit-Girl. You know, she, she's exhausted. She's just took out about 20 blokes. And... Um, Dave shows up, Kick-Ass shows up with his bazooka, and then we get a, a pretty cool ending for the villain there. So yep. he shoots him with the bazooka, he gets halfway out, out of the building and, and then just explodes all over the place. And then they kind of make their getaway, don't they, in the in the jetpack. Yeah, and I like the way they killed DeMarco as well because it was very much Kingsman. That over, you know, obviously, if a bazooka hits anyone, you're going right through the middle of the incident, but he didn't. He took his yeah. whole body about 300 feet in the air across to another skyscraper, then blew up. And I thought, yeah, I, yeah, like yeah. I, I did like that, Dave. I thought, yeah, I like very much comic book as well. And, and again, that's why I say we started off the movie in a very grounded way. And then uh, as the movie went on, it just stretched it a bit more each time didn't it where you where you're just getting these uh, these silly things that you know aren't so realistic yeah it was really good dave really good. and then you can say the line dave chris sort of ends the film doesn't he and leads us out well i i think let's let's finish on that because that's the last bit so we kind of get a little bit of a wrap-up don't we so mindy ends up she's going to be uh taken care of by oh gosh yeah, dad's, Marcus, yeah. yeah her dad's uh friend the, yeah. the guy who you said was in power i can't can't remember his character's right. name Mar- marcus that's it yeah marcus so yeah, yeah, so she turns up to school, and you can see the the bullies are, are going to give her a bit of a pound in there, steal her, her lunch money. But you know that is never going to happen. And then you know we do get Chris wrapping it all up, and he puts his little mask on there, and he channels Jack Nicholson's Joker, and says, "Wait till they get a load of me." <laughs> and again, that's. That is a great line, you know, for them to use in the movie. But again, it's straight out of the comic books as well. The the only difference is really he's writing a uh, a letter to Kickass, and it, it's basically telling him, you know, emailing him to his MySpace page and telling him, you know, you, you've had it, sort yeah. of thing. So very much setting up that second volume, and in this case, that that second film. Yeah, really good, Dave. Really good. Yeah. So so let's go into our ratings then. I can't remember when the last time I saw this was. Now, some of the things that we've watched, I haven't watched for you know at least a decade. 
this is one of those movies I have watched a few times. Now, it's not like when you're a kid, when you've got a lot more free time and you rewatch things over and over, like Star Wars and, and Superman and things like that, Karate Kid. For this one, I have watched a few times, you know, in my adult life when I have a bit less free time. And so for me to do that, I obviously really, really enjoy it. I think since this has come out, you know, we've had Kingsman, which some of the fight scenes are, are all very, very similar, very, very Matthew Vaughan. But at the time of watching this for the first time, I don't think I'd seen anything like this before. And the fact that it was done on a, a relatively low budget, I think it does brilliant to to just hide that budget and make it look like it's a much more expensive movie than what it is. And so for me, I, I've agonized over this, whether it's an Atlantis or an Asgard. But the fact that I do keep going back and watching this and I still enjoy it. So we'd watched it again this week, obviously, for the review and still really enjoyed it. Still picked up, you know, little bits that, that hadn't really noticed as much before. I'm going to send it to Asgard. Yeah. And I don't think I've given an Asgard for a few weeks now. So this is this is my first one for a little while, this. Nice, Dave. Nice. Now, with me, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to what you're saying. Actually, I, I was quietly shocked and surprised, and also intrigued to watch this again. And I was shocked by how much I actually enjoyed it again, Dave, because I don't, I don't remember it a lot, and I forgot Nick Cage was in it, which you know was great. As I said, he's a parody of himself, but at his best as well because he didn't take himself too seriously. Everything about it was brilliant. You know, I'm sat there watching it. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying what's going on with the characters, what's going on with the fighting scenes. It's believable. When when he tells his girlfriend that he's uh, kick-ass, that's a more believable reaction than what you get in some of the other sort of proper generic superhero films where it's just like, you know, I'm Superman or I'm Spider-Man and, and it all just sort of, oh, right, you know, and there's it, it, not much shock to it. This was a genuine reaction. She's got some weird guy in her bedroom. She's doing her hair. She can't hear him saying kick-ass. So she gives him a good kick with a tennis racket, defending herself. So I like that. <laughs> I put that down in my notes as a, a little thing for the film. Now, one thing I would say, I'm the same as you, I'm thinking, do I send it to Asgard? And obviously last week I sent Batman Begins to Asgard. And I'm thinking, you know, I've got to keep comparing the films to what I believe are my favourite films. Like as in what I would class I enjoy, I can keep going back to. And mine's slightly different to yours. I've not gone back to this from the first time I've watched it. Not because it's not a great film, because it is a great film, but do I think it's as good as Thor, Ragnarok, Avengers? I know obviously we haven't reviewed Thor, Ragnarok yet, but I hold that in such high esteem. I don't think it is for my personal taste anyway, Dave. So I'm going to send it to Atlantis. And not because there's anything wrong in the film. There isn't. It's not like I can mark it down for anything. I can't, but... Simply put, I think these other films that I enjoy more and that I would watch over this if I had to watch it again. Yeah, oh, still Atlantis, very yeah. respectable score. Okay, great. So, Chris, have you got any plugs for us? I have, Dave. Now, with the World Cup being on at the moment and we're now going into the last 16 games, or we've had the first couple of them, myself and Dave have been doing a every other day podcast called the Chat Footy Podcast, which will run parallel to the games. It may spread out over three to four days, but then should lead into a weekly slot. So we're getting a lot of followers on that. Yeah, give us a follow on Twitter at Chat Footy and then on iTunes and Sound... Uh, no, it's not. On iTunes and Stitcher and all of the podcasting sites, it is 
Chat Footy podcast. On top of that, we also have the Chat Footy Gossip podcast, which is a daily transfer news and speculation around the world of football. Uh, if you can give us a follow at Chat Footy Gossip on Twitter or Chat Footy Gossip podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and all other podcast hosting sites. What about yourself, Dave? Yep, so we were having a few weeks off the Grassroots Coachcast, but we put out another episode earlier this week. If you want to get over there and we touched on kind of uh, commitment and discipline from our squad and also our parents as well. So that was a really interesting one. And and think probably for the first time I went off on a little bit of a 20-minute rant. So I think that's the first for me, but uh, I did have a chuckle when I was listening back, editing that. So it's a subject I'm passionate about. And so, yeah, if you want to give give that a listen, do we have any others? Do you want to plug your vlog? Yeah, well, obviously I've not mentioned my podcast, the Contextual Podcast, mainly because I've not been doing any episodes. I've had a bit of a break for three to four weeks, but that will definitely be coming back next week. I've got a few ideas on that one. So that's, at the Contextual Podcast or CPod78 on Twitter. Um, have a look on iTunes, SoundCloud, all of our hosting sites. There's 48 episodes there. Dave is actually on episode 31 if you want to carry on listening to myself and Dave. But that episode, we're talking obviously purely gaming and a bit of football and some WWE. Um, and then my uh, vlog, it's going really well. I, I went yesterday up to Land Dudno to the Armed Forces Day, filmed that, which I'm just currently in the process of starting to edit. And then there's a full New York sort of binge watch four-part series there, which, you know, it's in the early infancy with the editing and using the tools. It's all new to me, so forgive me. But I think but he's getting a good response off everyone. And on Instagram, it's uh, cpod78vlogs as well, which I've got quite a good following on there now. So give it a follow and give it a listen. Obviously, all our podcasts, come under the Whatever Entertainment Network and the vlog as well, the vlog. So if you put in Whatever Entertainment Network in your search bars on iTunes and that, it should actually come up with all our podcasts, which is quite easier than looking individually, Dave, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. And also, as we mentioned, get back to this podcast. So if you want to get over to our Facebook group, give us a follow and a like as well. So you can catch up if you are a Facebook user. And next week, so at the moment, it kind of looks like we'll be reviewing probably Conan the Barbarian. So the 1982 Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or Judge Dredd. The uh, the Sylvester Stallone movie. So at the moment, they're 33 and 31% in the voting, and that voting will close off um, in a couple of days. And also, if you do not want us to review Conan or you want to review Judge Dredd or vice versa, there's only one thing you need to do, and that's get voting. So get on our Twitter and Facebook and make it happen if you want us to review one of your favourites. Yep. And probably coming up, we will have some bonus episodes as well. So I don't want to talk too much about those just in case they don't happen. But we want to get into interviewing some of the comic book creators as well, not necessarily for the movies that we've done, but some new one, new graphic novels and comics coming out uh, from some of the independent comic creators so hopefully that does happen and and you'll have some bonus content as well that's great and obviously myself and dave what dave's alluding to is one of them we've read and if it comes off i'll be quite interested to speak to that creator because we both enjoyed their graphic novel didn't we dave so yeah yeah obviously we don't want to commit to it and sort of 
drop names in there or anything. It doesn't. Dave's completely right. But if he does come off, then I hope he's enjoyed the episodes. And if it is something you want us doing going forward, because we both enjoy it, separates it off from just the review episodes, then we'll carry on doing it for you guys and for ourselves. Sounds great. Okay. So, Chris, do you want to lead us out? I don't actually have anything today, Dave. I, I know I've usually got something rolled up my sleeve, but I have nothing. So I'm hoping you've dug some out of the archives to lead us out. All I can say is thanks everyone for supporting us, following us, getting involved. And some lovely comments we've had tw- on Twitter this week about people binge watching the actual podcast now they've discovered who we are. So please keep suggesting us to your friends and we just love them. Five-star reviews, guys. So take care and I'll see you next week. There's really only one thing I can lead it out on. And as a great man once said, wait till they get a load of me. Could have getting his ass kicked. He should call himself ass kick instead. purpose in life. Oh, no, I'm just standing around, you know. No, not... Ah! It is what it is. How about that, huh? Huh? Oh, yeah. Didn't see that, did you? Think it's best that you just walk away. Well, maybe you shouldn't do that. What? Huh? Are you looking at me? Well, this is my business. 